As certified financial planners, we've seen firsthand how financial wellness is connected to other areas of wellness in our lives. Join us as we explore the relationship between our physical, emotional, and financial well-being and share the habits and tools we found effective in the pursuit of a balanced, intentional life. I'm Lauren. I'm Donna Grace. This is Life Rebalanced. Katie Hess is a flower alchemist, author of Flower Evolution, and founder of Lotus Way, one of the world's leading floral apothecaries. With her signature elixirs featured in O, the Oprah Magazine, the New York Times, and the LA Times, her flower-powered community is thriving in over 15 countries. Kate's magic has sparked a fire with leading brands. From flower lounges to exclusive scents and products, apothecaries to blending bars, Kate has infused her transformative touch into collaborations with the world's top spas, beauty stores, and more. Whether it's a retreat in the hot springs of Iceland, her meditations, or her travels to find the planet's rarest flowers, her work all boils down to bringing people into a whole new world, both outside and in. Katie, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. It's such a joy to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you. I have honestly never met anyone who is an alchemist before, let alone a flower alchemist. So I'd love if you could start by sharing with our listeners, what does that mean exactly? And how did you come to be a flower alchemist? Yeah, I mean, that was the title that I chose for myself because I couldn't figure out what would actually encapsulate using flowers to turn what we think, you know, in terms of alchemy, we think of turning metal into precious gold. And it's like, all of those things inside of ourselves that we feel like are limitations or our bad habits or some kind of old pattern that's holding us back and being able to use that as compost to grow the best garden inside of ourselves and reach our full potential doing that with the help of flowers. That is such a beautiful picture that you just painted. And how long have you been doing this? What got you started down this path? I've been working with flower remedies for the last 20 plus years. And it wasn't until I graduated college that I really was like, okay, I got that out of the way. Now, what am I really here to do? Like really, 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 what am I here to really do? Like, how could I help people ease suffering and stress and be able to really cast off things that were holding them back into a greater version of themselves, Mm -hmm. myself included? So I just started studying all different kinds of healing remedies, herbs, essential oils, Reiki, energy practices, was really on a search. I lived in Europe for several years, I lived in Mexico for several years, I traveled around Asia and became familiar with other people, other cultures, other languages, other perspectives and ways of seeing the world. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was walking down this cobblestone road by myself in Querétaro, Mexico, where this beautiful indigenous woman reached out with a little flyer about an expert from Spain who was coming to teach about flower remedies. And I thought, whoa, that sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I turned around to ask the woman questions and it was like she vanished. And so I spent the next 30 minutes like running around these cobblestone streets looking for her and I couldn't find her. Mm -hmm. So I took that as a sign to travel to Mexico City and study under this teacher who turned out to be amazing. Uh And how bizarre that I lived in Spain for such a long time and never ran into him and then had to come to Mexico in order to meet him. This is very interesting 
And he taught me basically two major things. One was that every flower on the planet has a really specific healing quality for us. And pretty much any form of human suffering that you could imagine or dream up, there is a flower for it that can help heal it, that can help us move through it more effortlessly, more gracefully. That to me was like, wow, okay, I'm in. And then he said that, in fact, it was so great and so powerful that if we could actually get 3% of the world's population to be actively working with these flower remedies all the time, it would create such a tremendous ripple effect or tipping point or critical mass that it would change the outcome of the future of our planet in a really positive way. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, that's something I can do. I think so often, so many of us see all the things that are happening around us that are challenges or that are heartbreaking. And we think, oh my God, I'm one person. I'm so small. How could I possibly make a dent in it? Mm-hmm. And so to hear that, no, actually it only takes 3% to create this giant tsunami of positivity to help everybody in train or lift up into a different space. Yeah. So I thought, okay, great. I'm going to go back to the United States. I can make flower remedies mainstream, right? They're sold in every pharmacy in Australia. Doctors in Europe are prescribing them. And (laughs) that's what I was really curious about is the thing I find interesting is that we get so focused on our our own way of doing things, especially I think, and I'm so very grateful to be an American and love the United States, but having traveled outside the U.S., there are other ways of doing things. And it's not to say that one is better or worse, but I think that we sometimes forget to step outside our own experience and pick up our heads and look around and say, is this something that other people are doing? And why aren't we doing it here? Obviously, Maybe it's culturally a little taboo. So you found that it is more mainstream in other parts of the world. Yeah, I mean, even in Mexico, when I would be riding around with a taxi driver and he'd say, what do you do for a living? I was shocked because even the taxi drivers knew the difference between essential oils or aromatherapy and flower remedies. That was just shocking to me. And then to come back to the United States, I mean, this is a long time ago. This is like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But to come back to the United States in 2001, uh, when meditation wasn't cool yet, yoga wasn't trending yet. And I just kind of actually hit a wall when I first got back here because I realized like, oh, right. Like you said, I'm also very proud to be an American. I love being an American and I love our innovation. And it's also like one of the most skeptical countries in the world. Uh huh. So, and for some reason, who knows, it was probably systematic, but we, in a certain part of our history, we just really tossed everything out the window that had to do with herbal remedies and medicine or healing, so to speak, from the earth. Mm-hmm. Right now, I would say people tend to think of this kind of thing as alternative. And I would argue that, in fact, it's been around for thousands of years. It's really more of an ancient wisdom technology. For example, the Aborigines in Australia, they would drink the liquid from the tops of bush lollies. You would see yogis and yoginis in the Himalayas when they would do long fasting retreats in the caves. They would consume this substance called chulen, which is essentially the concentration of flowers, botanicals, and gemstones Hmm. to keep them going during their practice. In Central America, the shamans and medicine women and men taking their patients out into the wild and having them choose special flowers 
soaking them in water in the sunlight, and then doing a practice of what's called spiritual bathing, dumping that water over their head or having them bathe in it. And then you even see in the 14th, 15th, 16th centuries in Europe, you see doctors, alchemists prescribing to their patients, go out into the wild, look for this specific flower for whatever issue they had. Mm-hmm. Every morning, drink the dewdrop from the tops of that particular flower. Mm-hmm. So it's really more of like a lifestyle that's been around for thousands of years. It just wasn't until the 1930s or 40s that another doctor figured out a way to scale it and make it so that in modern day, we can use it as a practice to bring nature in when we don't have enough time to be out in nature. And I think that's a lot of the challenge I was going to ask you about is that naturally humans throughout all time have been more engaged with nature. And I think it's just with the dawn of technology and our shift in how we function in society that we've lost touch with a lot of that. And I'm also curious to know, how is the knowledge about, so for example, you mentioned them telling people to go out and get a specific flower. How is that knowledge passed down? Is there a record of this somewhere or is it just transferred from one person to the next and that tradition is carried on in that fashion? I have never been asked that question. It's an excellent question. There is no unbroken lineage of the Mm -hmm. practice of flower essences. You can see it, for example, in some of the texts if we're talking about Europe, you can see in some of the texts of a nun spiritual practitioner by the name of Hildegard von Bingen, you can see that this is a practice that she often employed with her patients. You see it in Paracelsus during the times of alchemy in writings about him. The practice of eating chulen in the Himalayas, spiritual bathing, those are all practices that are still done to this day. Mm -hmm. But I would say internationally, it isn't like there's one unbroken lineage. I would say that it's more, you know, when you think of, and let me just make it clear, I'm not saying this is medicine, but in a general term of medicine of the people all over the planet, you see people working with herbs and botanicals and flowers and the way that they would access that information, if it wasn't in books, was to, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'll explain more about how this works. Herbalists would not only look at the plant and follow something like the doctrine of signatures. Some fruits and flowers look like organs of the body. So you, you can tell a lot just mm. by looking at the shape of a plant. You can tell by looking at how it grows in relationship to other plants. And then you can just have direct access to the plant and ask, what are you for? What can I tell people is your remedy? What do you do? And that's the part where it gets a little bit, you know, for some people seems Mm woo-woo. But that's the way that it was always done in the past. And (laughs) some people will think, how do people know that certain plants were poisonous? And the more skeptical folks will say, well, a certain amount of people ate it and died and then realized. Mm -hmm. But I would disagree because there are times when I've been in the forest when you might just get like a weird feeling and you don't want to go near a particular plant. Mm -hmm. There is this wisdom that we hold innately that we don't know we have. I say we speak the language of plants and flowers. We just don't know that we speak that language. Right. We're all living things on the planet together, whether we... (laughs) acknowledge or recognize that or not. 
and I don't want to get too far off track of where you were going. So we can circle back to this. However, I'm curious to know, so in places like Australia, where you see this used more readily, how are they using it? Is it a replacement for what might be more traditional medicine? Is it done in lieu of? Is it done as a, let's start with this natural option? Like we have things we're familiar with. Like I'm thinking about using garlic for an ear infection or something or things like that, where you might opt to try something more natural first. And if you don't get the results you're hoping for, maybe more modern medicine is in order. But I imagine not only are these used to treat ailments, but it sounds like it's also used just to enhance our experience in humanity. Is that fair to say? Yeah, so flower remedies will really target emotional and mental areas. So people would use them if they're feeling stressed or if they can't sleep or if they're having relationship issues or something's bothering them. Or maybe I am happy in life, but there's just a part of me that feels unfulfilled or my kids come home and I just have a really hard time getting into play. I just feel irritated. You name it. Any sort of emotional, mental, even in some cases, spiritual, energetic rift or imbalance or static within us, you can use flower remedies. And if you think about it, science will also say that 99% of all physical ailments are caused by some form of stress, ultimately. Mm -hmm. So I see it in a way as like the ultimate prevention, because if you can work with the use of flower remedies to untie a knot or ease something that is giving you trouble or paining your heart you will prevent it from becoming a physical imbalance or disease later. So it wouldn't take flower remedies if, say, someone came in and said, oh, Lauren, I have cancer. What do you have? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't use that as your sole antidote, right? You would need other more physical herbs to get to the root cause in the physical body. But you could use flower essences to help work with some of the emotional mental fields around what's happening when you're sick. But if you go all the way back, you know, to the beginning or like starting to give flower remedies to children, you can prevent all kinds of physical imbalances. Mm. And so when we're talking about using flower, rem flower remedies, what does that look like? I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm familiar with essential oils. How is that similar or different? Is it a different mode of using it? Yeah, great question. So essential oils are a distillation of the leaves, the stems, the flowers. It's basically like the juice of the plant and it's highly aromatic. We love essential oils. We use them all the time in our products as well. But just the straight up flower remedies are typically taken internally and they don't have any scent at all. They're collected through a method called solar infusion it looks more like putting little drops of liquid in your mouth, in your coffee, in your water, in your tea. And it's similar to an acupuncture treatment without the needles because the essences, which are contained in the water and alcohol, will start to move through your body's meridian system, much in the same way mm -hmm. as acupuncture, clearing out any static and harmonizing the energies of your body. Well, that sounds very appealing as someone who absolutely hates needles. I've never done acupuncture. <laughs> it sounds like a much better alternative. Not that it's, you know, an alternative, but something different to think about. So when you're working with people to figure out what flower remedies might best suit them, how do you work with someone on that? What are the things that you do to determine that? 
In the early days of the first 10 years of my career, I was only doing one-on-one consultations. And so I started out doing these really long intensive intakes that were an hour and a half and really getting to the bottom of who were they as a person and what were their deepest pain points and their challenges and where if all turned out as the best possible option that they could imagine for themselves in say the next six to 12 months, what would that look like? That's how it started. Then I realized that people actually know what they need, even though they don't know they know. So a sort of like swifter, Mm -hmm. faster, more effective way could be choosing which flowers you're most attracted to. So we can show someone a series of photographs of flowers. And depending on which flower you're drawn to, that will always reflect back what's most weighing on your heart in that time. So like how they say when you crave some kind of food to eat, it's that your body is missing that nutrient or something. Is it similar to that line of thought? Yeah, without the physical, it's more subtle. It's not like, oh, I need that dark chocolate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, in some ways, people discount it because it's quieter than that, right? It's like Mm -hmm. you're in a flower shop and you're like, Ooh, look at these lilacs. And you just like, oh, you feel so drawn to them. They're so intriguing. They're so beautiful. The smell's so amazing. And then maybe in that moment, you're like, yeah, daisies. I'm not really into daisies today. Mm -hmm. And that's a very strong indicator of what you need. So if lilacs were the thing you were drawn to, just out of curiosity, what would that mean? What would that need be? Lilacs are about flexibility. So sometimes we want to control things or we are expecting something like a person or place or outcome. We want it to be a certain way. And when we get disappointed, it's painful. And we feel like, yeah, that sense of disappointment. So lilac brings in this sense of ease and acceptance and flexibility and go with the flow and be able to like really effortlessly work with change. That's really interesting. Would having those flowers just present in your physical space have some kind of effect on you as well, in addition to utilizing the flower remedy itself? Yeah, I would say even just having images, like if you had a giant photograph of your favorite flower on the wall, that already starts to give your body sort of the notion to kind of relax a little. They've done studies actually that show patients in hospitals who have plants around or even photographs, they heal faster. Mm. So even just images of nature already make us feel more at ease and more community oriented, actually. And then if you have them fresh in your space, that's probably like the next step up. Mm -hmm. If you spend a lot of time around them in the garden or walking in the trees in nature, that's even better. And then, of course, if you can work with actual flower MDs, putting them into your body, it gives you more flexibility and freedom to be using them all the time. Because I don't know about you, but I live here in Phoenix, Arizona in the desert, and I work a lot indoors. I work a lot on the computer, right? We're running our businesses. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had more time to get out into nature. I'm not spending a ton of time outdoors every day. And so it gives me, at least in modern day life, a way to bring it in. So that feeling that I get when I am in the woods and going for a walk and you're breathing the fresh air and connecting with nature in that way, I think I remember you, I listened to one of your TED Talks and you described that as nature bathing, right? Where you, or nature bathing is probably something very specific, but is the feeling that you get when using the flower remedies similar to that? 
Okay. I love what you said about feeling. And yes, the answer to your question is yes. The feeling that you get is the same as the feeling of being around whatever you're in nature. There is a practice in Japan called forest bathing and shindren yoko in Japanese. Mm -hmm. It is taken so seriously in Japan that there are 44 certified like national forests where you can go and do this practice. And it is, it's beyond fresh air and oxygen. It's, they literally think of it as bathing themselves in the chi or the life force or the energy of the plants. And they've done extensive studies showing that if you spend one day doing this practice, which essentially is walking in the woods, right? (laughs) Your adrenaline and your cortisol plummet and your white blood cells go way up. So that means your stress goes down, your immune system is boosted. But what is fascinating is that there is an exponential healing power to this practice and to being in nature in general. If you spend one day forest bathing, those health benefits last in your body for an entire week. And if you spend a whole weekend in the wild, those health benefits last in your body for an entire month. So there's this exponential power. And it's pretty cool because you see that in the world of flower essences as well. You only need Mm -hmm. one to 10 flowers, depending on the size, to make enough flower essence to serve thousands of people over many years. Oh, wow. Really? It's one of the most sustainable forms of remedy because you start with the mother essence and you do several dilutions and the more dilute the remedy becomes, the deeper and more emotional, mental, energetic of an antidote that it is. And I just wanted to circle back to one thing that you said initially was the feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, because there are a lot of skeptical people and I will say if anybody's listening and they're like, this is so strange. (laughs) Uh, I want to say, I love you. I love skeptics. Mm -hmm. And I think that critical thinking and asking questions is so important today. And I want more and more people to do that. So I love skeptics, but a way to sort of illustrate that we already speak the language of flowers is even just to like close your eyes for a second and imagine you're in a huge peony garden, giant pink and magenta peonies and how that makes you feel. And then transport yourself to a really quiet, old growth redwood forest. And then bring yourself to a meadow where there are thousands of daisies blowing in the wind. And if your eyes are closed, you can open them. Even just imagining it, you know that the way a peony makes you feel is totally different than a redwood tree, is totally different from a wild daisy. We know that different botanicals make us feel different. In fact, most men would probably say, no, I'm probably not going to get a dozen long stem red roses for my mom on Mother's Day. It doesn't feel right, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. So just another illustration of That is an experience that we know in our body. Different flowers and plants make us feel differently. And so much in the same way, that's how flower remedies work is they help you feel that same way as you actually feel with them when you are with them. And how it works is a practice that I like to call floral or botanical Wi-Fi. And I know that really sounds crazy to some people, but if you think about how does your cell phone work, how does your cell phone work? Mm-hmm. It's totally mind boggling if someone would have said, okay, Lauren, 
you are going to carry this box in your pocket and it's going to emit all these invisible waves and your photos and your music and your poetry and your podcasts and your videos. They're going to ride on all these little unseen waves, Mm -hmm. like a little magic carpet, but you won't be able to see it. And then they'll magically pop up somewhere else and appear as videos, poetry, music, et cetera. Like, I don't think any of us really can grasp how it actually works. No, even taking that back to radio signals <laughs> forever ago. I still don't understand how that works either. So yes, iPhones, no idea. No don't idea. understand it. Yeah, totally. So if we don't understand how that works yet, we accept that it's true because we know it, it works. Isn't it also possible that there is such a thing as energetic frequencies coming from Mother Earth because Mother Earth is a living organism? We are not living on some like dry, dead rock careening through space. It's like alive, right? Mm -hmm. So isn't it possible that Mother Earth has had this technology all along and we just didn't really realize it because we can't see it much in the same way that we can't see the little invisible waves coming from our phones? Mm -hmm. So have you had some skeptics be willing to try it and realize, oh, this actually does work. Yeah. I mean, I love skeptics the most because they usually turn into- We need skeptics. We need skeptics (laughs) and they usually turn into the best cheerleaders because it's such a kind of mind boggling, you know, like my mind tells me this is really out there, but when I actually use it, I really feel a difference. And when you have had a personal experience with something- No one in a lab coat, white coat, scientist, no one can tell you otherwise. Like if, if you're a mother who's had a baby, you know what birth is like. No one can tell you what your experience was like. And the same with flower remedies. If you've had an experience, no one can tell you otherwise. And that's such a powerful way to experience things. And that's always what changes the mind of skeptics. I don't know why this just popped into my head, but I was thinking about how We use plants and flowers in so many other ways. Like even just thinking about marijuana is a plant that you're just smoking. Ayahuasca is a plant. Teas and herbal remedies. It's all in the same vein as what you're describing. So I don't know why it would be necessarily any different for what you're talking about. Even if you think about it just in our culture, like when do we see flowers pop up? We see them pop up when... Maybe when a baby is born or when someone is in love or when someone gets married or someone is sick or someone passes, there are always flowers in those massive moments of transition. I believe it's because flowers help us transition more gracefully. And so it just naturally feels right to give someone flowers when their dog dies. It just feels right to give someone Mm -hmm. flowers when you're in love with them. It feels right to give your mother flowers when you're five years old and you're picking all the wildflowers. It's such a method of expression Mm -hmm. that can't really be put into words. I never really thought about that, but it's true. We just innately have this sense that's what you do. Thinking about... Getting back to, again, the feeling that you get, I'm thinking about how our world as a whole, but even just in the wake of the pandemic, very specifically, there's so much anxiety and people who maybe aren't clinically depressed or don't have clinical anxiety and aren't on medication or anything. It still seems that as a society, we could all benefit from things that are going to help 
bring down that level of stress. And to your point, not all of us have the ability. Yes, going for a walk in nature would be fantastic. Forest bathing for a weekend sounds like it would be amazing, but we don't have access to that. So how would you suggest people start thinking about incorporating flower remedies into their daily life if they were interested? Great question. It's super easy. And I love that it's super easy. It's really as easy as what flower are you drawn to? And then start dropping it in your coffee and water. In my experience, through all through 2020 and 2021, everyone that I know in the flower essence community or in our community has not had an experience of fear or anxiety. And in some ways, I feel like the fear and the anxiety comes from a sense of feeling disconnected. It comes from a like a disconnection with a part of ourselves. And there is something about you working with flower remedies regularly that just roots you into yourself, into the deepest wisdom parts of you, into the courageous, fearless, peaceful parts of you, that you, you know, those parts of you that know you can trust yourself no matter what. And I've just seen so much strength and I'm really proud of that. And also just that it can be so easy. It's like, you really don't have to think about anything. You don't have to go to the gym as much as I love meditation and practice it every day. You don't even mm -hmm. have to like spend time sitting on a cushion. You just mm -hmm. like put the little drops in your drink. Or if, if you're not into taking things internally, all the rest of our products, like the mist, the aromatherapy mist, the oils you put on your skin, everything has flower remedies in it. So even just taking a nice little yummy self-care ritual, misting yourself with something that smells good and taking a deep breath a few, four to five times a day, that has the potential to, within three to five days, make you feel like a new human being. Mm -hmm. So ultimately... I guess that's the reason why you would encourage people to do it. Is there some message that you would want to share about if, for example, we could get 3% of the population to utilize flower remedies, how would that shift and change society? And what would that look like if, if you wouldn't mind sharing? Oh my God. Even if you just look at one person, right? Like I used to be just blown away when I would have a client come in to see me, they'd give me this laundry list of items that was happening in their life that was making them feel hopeless or powerless or frustrated. And then I would give them flower remedies and I would take pictures and a little tiny video clip of them on their first appointment. So I could see what was happening. And then they could see then three or four weeks later when they came back, how their face had changed, how their body language changed, how their story and the words that they used changed. And it got to a point where the only reason we have a product company is because it got to a point where when I was seeing individuals, I was like, I cannot keep this confidential and quiet anymore. Like everybody has to have this experience because I would see people come in with just decades of baggage. And then within several weeks to several months, be able to just let it go and put the baggage down. And I thought, okay, everybody needs to experience this. So if you just think in terms of, imagine yourself when, you know, you've had, all of us have had those days where we like wake up grumpy mm -hmm. and then you see that, oh, it affects other people in your area. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oops, okay, I better like cheer myself up. Or you've had the experience where you walk into a store and you're just 
elated and smiling and joyful and you see like the cashier at the grocery store she becomes happy and you walk by someone else in the aisle and she becomes happy and you see yourself like spreading this huge wave of joy that's just one person it's one of us and so the more of us that there are that are accelerating our personal growth and being able to embody the best version of ourselves all the time imagine what that must be like you know and there was even a study done a 20-year longitudinal study done in Massachusetts where they showed that if your friend's friend's friend becomes wildly happy, it has more of a beneficial effect on you than if someone put $5,000 cash in your pocket. So interesting. And vice versa. If you become wildly happy or I become wildly happy, mm-hmm. it has more of a beneficial effect on our friend's friend's friend. This is someone that we don't even know than if someone put $5,000 cash in their pocket. So in every moment, our state of mind is impacting even people we don't know. Mm-hmm. Like how mind-blowing is that? We are that powerful. And we get in these kind of funky mental states where we feel like, oh man, what impact am I really making in the world? And I wish I could do more. When in fact, we are powerful beyond our belief in every moment. <laughs> so... To answer your question about what would that feel like, I don't even know if my mental mind can conceive what is it like when all of us are operating at our full potential. Mm -hmm. Wildly inspiring though. And that's what I keep aiming for. That's what keeps me getting up in the morning. And (laughs) I love it. That is so inspiring. And and part of the goal of what Dawn and I love to talk to people about is everyone that we have spoken to recently and you included, obviously, is really doing the work that they are called to do in the world to help everyone reach their potential. And I just love that. And Katie, if people are curious to figure out maybe what kind of flower remedies might work for them or what you have available that would be a good fit, is there something that people can do to find those things out? So the easiest way is to go to the website at lotusway.com and that's lotus like the flower and then wei.com and there will be a button in the upper left-hand corner for a quiz. And in fact, if you want to go there now, if you want a little turbo flower reading, I can do that for you. So you'll see a series of flowers and then you click on the ones that you're most drawn to. And if you want to share which flowers you're clicking on, I can give you a little bit of information about each one. Yeah. Okay. So I've clicked on take the flower quiz. What flowers are you most attracted to? Now, can I select any number of them? Is there a limit to how many I can choose? I have six in front of me right now. I see African daisy, bird of paradise, five-star orchid, pomegranate, Arctic lupine, Hong Kong orchid. So you can choose one of those and then it will click to another slide with more choices. Oh, which one are you most attracted to? I got it. Okay. So I picked the Hong Kong orchid. Should I tell you as I go here? Yes. So the Hong Kong orchid, and then I'll look at this next one. We've got so many. Um, I'm going to pick the pink peony. Those are so pretty. I love those flowers. The mountain laurel, the spotted bee balm, the jade succulent, 
I have a few more to go here. Oh, Jasmine, for sure. Pink Magnolia and Gardenia. Okay. So the first flower of the Hong Kong orchid is for 500% loving and accepting yourself. And usually when we're drawn to that flower, it means that we have really high standards and can sometimes be too hard on ourselves. Does that resonate? Yes, (laughs) it does. Pink peony. Oh, I love pink peony. I mean, just as a flower, it's one of my favorites. But its superpower is that it kind of combs through all of our DNA and it dissolves any information about scarcity or lack and helps us really embody wild abundance and prosperity. Mm -hmm. Mountain laurel is great for those situations when we're maybe doing something new and it helps us really feel very comfortable in our own skin when we're doing something new. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I would get the feeling that you're kind of exploring new things because one of the other flowers you chose was jade succulent, which could just be maybe you're tired in the afternoons and you need a little system boost or vitality boost, but it also means it's like when there's something that you're really good at, but you're also really shy about it. That's new and you want to explore it more, bring it more to the forefront, but it's like maybe a little bit tentative. So it gives you this boost of energy and powerful presence around whatever that is. Does any of that resonate? It does. It does. Okay. Okay. I was so engaged with what you were saying and my mind is just going. I Okay. And then you chose spotted bee balm. That is one of the best flowers that we have for past trauma. So my guess is either there was like a really tough experience or a car accident or like a near miss or something that like really rattled your body and kind of got stuck in your, in the cells of your body. So what the spotted bee balm would do is obviously it's not going to erase the memory, but it would just soften the energy around that. So when you're in a similar situation, you don't feel that kind of like jarred nervous system feeling. Mm -hmm. Jasmine, also one of my favorites. It's really good for beauty. It's like Mm. falling in love with all parts of yourself, even like, oh man, I have cellulite on my butt or (laughs) my ears aren't perfect. That resonates. Yep. Uh You know, whatever, whatever that thing is, it's like, and I'm still beautiful. Jasmine Mm -hmm. is like the beauty teacher. Um, Pink Magnolia. Mm -hmm. We usually are drawn to Pink Magnolia when we've been giving away all our time, energy and resources to others and haven't been making time for ourselves. It's a huge teacher and encourager of doing whatever those things are that recharge us. Mm -hmm. And lastly, gardenia is such a beautiful flower for helping us shine light into the places that we thought were dark in our closet, like things that we thought were our greatest weaknesses that we don't want others to see. But actually, when we inspect them, we realize that actually they're our greatest strengths. I love that. And after I finished my quiz, I see that I can get a report too. So obviously not everyone listening is going to have you firsthand sitting here going through it (laughs) with them, but they'll get some kind of summary as well. So thank you for sharing that and directing us to that. Send me your mailing address and I will put all of these flowers in the mail for you. Oh my goodness. You're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. I do have a few questions to ask you, but before we jump into that, just out of selfish curiosity, I'm wondering because One of my very, very favorite flowers 
is the hydrangea and the feeling I get mm-hmm. being around hydrangeas and having them in my physical space or seeing them on a walk is different from any other flower. So what does that mean? What does the hydrangea represent? I would ask you to close your eyes and remember a time when you are around hydrangea and just sort of reflect on what it looks like and feels like and see if you can come up with three words to describe its personality or how it makes you feel Mm -hmm. without using fragrance or color. And then mm-hmm. open your eyes and share what you are thinking about. I specifically was taken to a, a time in my life when my children were very young. So like one and three. And we had just bought our first house and I put hydrangeas in the backyard. And to me, it felt joyful and calm and peaceful. Hmm. I would say that for you particularly, you know, I mean, I wouldn't look any further than that. I would say that for you, that's what the hydrangea embodies and that's what it brings into your life is that sense of joyful, calm and peaceful. You could interpret it also as like new beginnings because your kids Mm. are so young and your house is brand new to really anchor in that sense of peacefulness into a new place or or like a redefinition of yourself. And you may Mm -hmm. actually find that anytime you're going through a change or transition, you might long for the hydrangea again. Oh, absolutely. And I think we're always in life going through periods of transition and, and rebirth. And so it is definitely something that comes up for me again and again. Thank you for humoring me with that. I was just very curious. (laughs) The questions that Donna and I really like to ask our guests are acknowledging that at different points in our life, we have different areas of focus or things we're giving our time, energy, and attention to, which may throw us off balance a little bit, but often just for a temporary period of time. Is there something in your life right now that you are really focusing on, dedicated to, devoting your energy to that you'd be willing to share with us? It could be personal, professional, whatever comes to mind. Hmm. I have noticed that in every endeavor that I engage in at this point, whether it is in the business, whether it's with particular flowers, whether it's with real estate acquisition or asset creation, or things that I'm doing in my free time or self-defense courses that I'm taking. Mm. I have been just in the last few months, really focusing my energy on embodying fearlessness. I'm curious about how I would feel if I didn't have any fear of anything. Just what that would feel like in my body if I was absolutely fearless to speak my mind, to protect myself to face any obstacle that came my way with fearlessness and fierceness. Um, So that's just something that I've been exploring. That's really beautiful. I love that. And as you're dealing with that, I imagine there are things that come up. Are there ways that you're having to maybe give yourself a little bit of grace as you're engaging in that? Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite quotes about fear is from Chukyum Trimpa, and he says that, fearlessness actually isn't the absence of fear or the reduction of fear. It's going beyond the fear. 
So I think in terms of what is it like to have a little fear and then do it anyway, or lovingly let that be in the space, but still keep moving forward and use that energy as a driving force to keep you moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so are there any habits, techniques, things that you incorporate, maybe not specifically with your focus right now, but just in life in general that you feel have really served you well that you'd be willing to share with us? Well, in that particular area, I've gotten in the habit of putting myself in situations that do make me nervous. And oh, interesting. I remember my spiritual business mentor saying for business specifically, he said, well, sometimes you have to put yourself into a situation that maybe you would look at it. You'd look at the numbers and say, that's going to be quite a stretch for you. And it's because it will force you to do whatever it takes to make it work. And in that way, you stretch yourself out of the box that you were in before. So in pretty much everything I'm doing these days, it's like, how can I face a new fear? Or how can I put myself in front of a thousand people if I'm really afraid of public speaking? Or if I'm really terrified of guns, what would that be like if I went to a firing range and learned how to shoot one? Mm -hmm. Or if I'm afraid of owning commercial property and putting myself into the biggest loan that I've, you know, never even imagined being engaged with, what would that feel like? Mm -hmm. Just learning the ways to kind of like work with what I think are my limitations and then be able to stretch them beyond what I thought was possible. And I would imagine you probably have specific flower remedies that you <laughs> use in that process. What are those, if you don't mind sharing? Oh my gosh. You know what? It's funny. I just did a post about fear and there's, I realized there were like 168 blog posts about different flowers for different forms of fear. And I was like, you know what? It's true what they say about the opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. Because we have mm. so many ding dang fears. Mm -hmm. It's overwhelming when we think about all the little things that create tension in our bodies. If anyone is interested and curious, it's one of our latest blog posts. But mm -hmm. setting boundaries was a hard one for me. I tend to be like very nice. Sometimes I can be taken advantage of. And there is a flower called wild delphinium that helps you set boundaries. It helps you be more firm and fierce and be able to embody that side of yourself. Mm -hmm. There are some flowers that came out last year. Sacred Datura was one. Crown flower was another for a lot of the fears that were arising last year. Fears around relationships, hollyhock, rose, fear of not having enough money, peony. I mean, it's, it's endless. <laughs> There are so many fears. <laughs> like, you know, it's like the opposite side of the coin. Like it's actually not anything to be overwhelmed or afraid of because the opposite side of that is like scarcity would be like, and what if there's absolute abundance and prosperity? What does that feel mm -hmm. like? Or what does it feel like to not be afraid of dying? Or what does it feel like to not be afraid of conflict or speaking your mind? So it's kind of exciting on the other side of it. Absolutely. Well, I so appreciate you talking to me today and 
educating us all about flower remedies and how we might implement those in our lives. And if people are interested in reading your blog post or finding out more about what it is you do and following you, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, the best place to find us is at lotusway.com and that's lotus like the flower and then wei.com. And of course, we're on all the social media channels and we're a team of 15 women and we are genuinely practicing what we preach. So if anyone out there has any questions or wants to chat or figure out what they need, we're always here for people. Excellent. We'll include everything in the show notes so people can easily find that. And if you want to know more about Life Rebalanced, have questions for us, topics you'd love to hear us discuss, the best way to get in touch with us is on Instagram at life underscore rebalanced. And until next time, be well.